explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively. Exclusively on Paramount Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to another episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined once again by my co-host, Jacob Rudner. And we are back to talk Florida basketball. It is an absolute critical time for the Florida basketball team. The last time we had a podcast, two weeks ago, Florida was sitting at one in three in conference play. And admittedly, there were some concerns about how Florida would fare the rest of the way. They knew how daunting the slate was to start conference play. And it kind of went according to plan in a sense here. Florida ends up losing to Kentucky to open conference play in a game that they felt like they should win. Ends up getting a win and then a couple of embarrassing losses, losing at Ole Miss at Tennessee with a win over Arkansas in between there. But in the time since, Florida has looked much better. They have won four in a row now as we record this podcast Thursday, February 1st. And we're going to talk mainly about the biggest win in that stretch. That happened last night in Lexington, Kentucky at Rupp Arena, a historically tough place to play no matter who you are. And Florida fans certainly know that. It has been quite a while since Florida got a road win at Rupp Arena. It was an electric game. We're going to briefly talk about the road leading up to this, what we saw, including another overtime win for the Gators against former UF coach and current Georgia coach Mike White. Jacob, it's good to be here and talk all things Florida basketball with you. It's uh, it's good to be back on the pod, Graham. And I think that uh, you know our, our listeners would agree, as well as our subscribers over on Swamp247.com, that this is a uh, a growingly exciting time to be a Florida fan uh, and to be, you know, in our position where we have kind of a front seat to what's unfolding uh, within this athletic department. There's a lot going on football-wise uh, and, of course, you know, baseball starting up. But at the end of the day, uh, it is exclusively basketball season right now. And uh, this is a Florida team that I think is showing a lot of progress and promise uh, that maybe we didn't see uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but but it is definitely good to be back to discuss it uh, with things trending in a, in a different and, and potentially exciting direction. Yeah, I want to go back a little bit and talk about the two games previous to this Kentucky one, because I think that even some of the concerns were showing themselves in those contests. We'll start with the Mississippi State one. Florida faced a team that had Tolu Smith, 
Everyone knows how good he is. He came into that game averaging more than 19 points per game. And early on in the contest, it looked like he was going to have a, you know, a 30 point night, which the Gators had fallen victim to several times to start conference play. I thought Florida adjusted well in that contest. They end up getting a 17 point lead in the second half, but the Bulldogs didn't go away. They had their back against the wall, knocked down some shots. They ran the full court press and, and, were able to capitalize in transition at multiple junctures, end up making that a two possession game down the stretch there. And the Gators were able to do something that I don't think should fly under the radar. They were able to knock down critical shots at the charity stripe, which if you've been following our coverage over at Swamp 247 and listening to the podcast, you know that we've expressed some concern with Florida's ability to knock down free throws. It has been something that has plagued this team to start the season. Florida was shooting under 70% from the charity stripe through the first 15 games of the season. And to get a win at the free throw line, especially what that can do from you from a mental standpoint, I think it's it can't be you know overstated here in my mind. I, I do think that there's such a significant part of free throw shooting that is mental. When you miss some and you are considered to be a good free throw shooter, when you step up to the line and are even thinking about, oh, am I going to miss this shot? You more often than not, are going to have an issue there at the line. So to see Florida close that game out against Mississippi State at the free throw line, I thought that that was an absolute critical milestone for this team and, and really I think bodes well for them moving forward because it's hardly going to be the the lone time where an opponent rallies or the game is going to be decided in the final two minutes. Absolutely, and I, I think that it's worth pointing out that and I know I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead on our timeline here a little bit, you know, Florida over its last six games, this is dating back to when it played Arkansas on January 13th. Uh, they're shooting almost 80% from the free throw line, which is a stark contrast to what it looked like before that, where they were well under 70% uh, and ranked outside the top 300 division one teams nationally in the category. Uh, and as you mentioned, that had been a concern dating back even to preseason camp when Florida was going and playing these secret, you know, quote unquote, secret scrimmages, uh, free throws were a problem in those games, too. If I remember correctly, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Florida, I think, missed over 20 free throws in its two preseason scrimmages against FIU and Miami combined. And that was, a, you know, a concern at the time. Uh, it, it really did trickle into the season, as you mentioned. Uh, free throw shooting can become somewhat mental, but we've seen a shift in that category. And I think part of that uh, can be, you know, assessed to the team's uh, dedication to trying to fix that issue. We know that Florida has spent a considerable amount of time recently, especially its front court players, on improving its free throw shooting, uh, trying to figure out ways in order to be more efficient, maybe technically at the strike. But at the same time, as you mentioned, I think it's really important, Florida has maybe had a mental shift uh, when it comes to its approach to free throw shooting. And that is arguably more important than anything when it comes to that capacity of basketball. You know, these guys have been shooting free throws their entire lives. And it's a streaky aspect of the game. Once you get out of the, the loop a little bit mentally or out of a rhythm mentally, uh, it, it can really be prohibitive as far as success goes moving forward. And, and I think we saw that as the season started to go on. And maybe now there's kind of a different mindset when it comes to the free throw shooting. I mean, you even look at Florida's games uh, most recently, its last three contests, and it has been vastly improved in the category. You know, between Mississippi State, 17 of 20 at the stripe, it's 85%. Florida matched that with a 17 of 20 performance against Georgia, and 18 of 22 for 81, almost 82% uh, against Kentucky 
on you know January 31st. So uh, certainly something that's trending in the right direction and an aspect uh, that I think is directly leading to wins as we've seen Florida kind of have these really close games recently where you can't afford to leave 11 points on the table at the free throw line and they're not. So uh, it's been absolutely crucial to Florida's success recently. They're five and one ever since they've started shooting roughly 80% from the stripe. Uh, do I think that those things are related? Absolutely. Do I think it's the total cause and effect uh, for Florida's recent success? No, uh, but certainly something that is notable and in an area where Florida is finding more points uh, where it hadn't been previously. And that, of course, matters a lot. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the preseason because Todd Golden had been asked about free throws throughout the start of this season. And he kind of had admitted that this is just maybe who this team is. You know, I don't know how much improvement many people could have expected them to make as the season progressed. And to dispel the narrative that they're not working at it constantly, this, this is something that we had heard time and time again. You know, players were in the gym getting up extra shots. Micah Hanlogged and Tyree Samuel had talked about how they were shooting 200-plus free throws every single day in practice. It wasn't something that they weren't working on, but when they stepped up to the free throw line in games, they weren't necessarily falling at a high rate. So I'm sure that Todd Golden and his coaching staff are a little bit relieved and very optimistic as well, considering that they had maybe accepted that this team was going to struggle from the line throughout conference play, and they would have to find other ways to win. Before we turn to the Georgia game a little bit, I want to talk about in that Mississippi State game, what could have absolutely been a massive blow to Florida's chances. If you were watching that game, you maybe gasped in a little bit of concern when Walter Clayton Jr. drove to the rim and came up clutching his left wrist. He had to be head, you know, go to the, the locker room and be looked at by trainers. That was something that it looked like he was in a serious amount of pain and the training staff followed him in there. Dr. Kevin Farmer came down from the stands to check on him. And usually that can lead to concerns about whether this guy is going to be out for a, a significant amount of time. But not only did Clayton return to the game shortly after that, he ended up leading Florida in scoring in the second half with 12 points, knocked down some of those critical free throws as well as some big three pointers as well. I think he had two three pointers and ended up hitting six free throws, all six of his free throw attempts in the second half of that win over Mississippi state that in my mind, getting him back with no long-term concerns about how he would fare. That was just as important in my mind as securing the victory for the Gators, because that is a critical piece for the team. And if they had lost him, we have seen the backcourt behind him. I, I think that there would have been a significant drop-off, but I think it also speaks to what Todd Golden has said throughout the start of the season, that this is arguably the toughest player on the roster. So for him to overcome that however minor bone bruise and, and return to the contest, I, I think was just massive for Florida's ceiling remaining where it was. Um, talking about Georgia a little bit, though, I think that this was a game that Many people expect to, you know, dominate Georgia here. But if you've been following the Bulldogs and how they have fared under former UF coach Mike White, this is a team that has some quality wins under its belt. They end up winning a game against South Carolina a couple of weeks ago that I think a lot of people say, well, it's just South Carolina. Well, look at what South Carolina is doing right now, sitting here at 18 and three right now, favored uh, inside the top 50 in Ken Palm. And if that game were to happen today, I think South Carolina would be favored in that contest. Georgia wins that game and Florida absolutely. I thought put on a really good performance once again, 
ends up getting a 17-point lead. But in the final minutes of that game, the Bulldogs outscored Florida 24-8, erased the deficit, tied the game, and had a chance to win it at the buzzer in regulation. Will Richard comes up with a steal, drives the entire length of the court. His shot doesn't fall, and we head to an overtime period where Florida is able to secure a victory. What did you make of that game? What can it say about Florida's efforts in overtime? Because before that, we had seen the Gators play just one overtime game back on, I think, December 19th against Michigan, a, a team that certainly isn't living up to expectations, but sent Florida to multiple overtime periods. I thought that the ability to rally in overtime after giving up such a significant deficit, having the opponent overcome a monumental lead that can lead to a drop off in motivation. And Georgia had all the momentum. I thought Florida's ability to end up securing that win, no matter how long it took, really spoke to the mindset of this team and, and how mentally tough they are right now to, to rally once again when it looked like they had the game in the bag with eight minutes to go. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Yeah, I would say that there is an element to that uh, being the case. I think that that's easier to appreciate uh, for two reasons. One, because Florida ultimately ended up winning that game, but also because it was able to go out on the road against Kentucky and beat a team that I think is more widely accepted uh, as, as a real challenge and a real quality win. And so in hindsight, we can look back on that Georgia performance and, and really pinpoint uh, Florida's toughness and ability to overcome uh, certain aspects. But me personally, Graham, I, I really appreciated Todd Golden's comments after yesterday's game, in which he was pretty much asked, you know, your team has been really good when it comes to securing victories in overtime. Is that something that, you know, helped you at Kentucky? And he pointed immediately to the Georgia game and pretty much said, we wish we weren't in that situation. We, we don't want to have to prove that we're mentally tough and can handle overtime. Uh, he said specifically, our guys are proving to be comfortable in those moments, referring to overtime games, which is true. Uh, but I would prefer, Todd says, to win in regulation, to be honest. And I think that that is a pretty reasonable sentiment and takeaway from the game. I think that Florida put itself in a position 
that was, you know, nearly disastrous. I think that that would have been one of those losses that you look back on at the end of the season when it comes, you know, selection Sunday time and you say, man, had you just won that game, maybe the season would have gone differently. Uh, Florida was obviously able to prevent that, which takes the fortitude that you're talking about. And there was a lot of precision play uh, from the Gators in overtime. Again, the free throw line proving to be an area that, that kind of sealed it for the Gators. And I think that that's kind of a, a trend that we're noticing recently that Florida is able to start winning some of these games at the stripe, which again is, is not something that was occurring earlier on in the season. But yes, to your point, uh, lots of resiliency from the Gators uh, demonstrated in that overtime period. Uh, it does seem as though once they get into these crunch time overtime moments, you know, we can go back to a game like double overtime win over Michigan several weeks or months ago now at this point. Another example of, of how this team does tend to come together when it matters most and figure it out and, 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 and find a way to win the game. And, and have we seen some instances where they've fallen short? Yes, I would point to the Kentucky game where you kind of lose that in crunch time and allow a, a game that was you know, really hand, you know, kind of in hand to, to slip away. Uh, but, you know, Florida does have some chemistry and some qualities that allow it to be able to perform in these scenarios. I think that uh, something else that I would point to that doesn't have to do with, you know, the mental side of the game, something a little more tangible, is its pace. I think that Florida's pace allows it to get away with a lot. Uh, you can be a little bit more free-flowing offensively, and you get into these situations in overtime, and you're essentially just bullying opposing teams, you know, out, out of the gym, and, and you're outpacing them. Uh, Florida's aggression stays really high in the overtime period. Uh, and I've been impressed with the way that they've handled those scenarios, whether or not they should be in them uh, is a different story, but, but certainly a, a good quality to have. If you, if you need to go to overtime, the ability to be resilient and to uh, kind of stay poised, which is something that we've seen from the Gators so far this season is of course critical. Uh, and, and there's no reason to discount that. So, you know, I think I agree with, with Todd Golden's sentiment just to summarize here. Uh, but I would say that, you know, it, it is important to your point that, that they're able to go into these, you know, five minute games, essentially, and come away with a win. And, and, and Florida has become quite good at that. Yeah, certainly no team would prefer to go to overtime rather than win the game in regulation, but it's much better than a loss. And that brings me to, I think, our game from last night. You know, it looked like in a game that featured 25 plus lead changes, I think 29 lead changes. The Gators last night trailed by four against Kentucky with under a minute to play. Zion Poland came up huge. And obviously, I think that we'll talk about Walter Clayton's shot here in a little bit to send the game to overtime. But two of the outstanding questions about Florida coming into that game were, how would they fare in road contests? And considering what we had seen against at Ole Miss at Tennessee, certainly was a question mark for this team. And the other one was what we just talked about. Were they able to maintain their level of aggressive play and stay in a close contest down the stretch here? And I think both of those were just as significant to maybe the narrative of this Florida team, if you want to call it that, than the actual win itself. It, it validated in their eyes that they could win on the road and that they can close out a tough game, you know, and get a critical shot you had posted after the game that Todd Golden believed that this team needed to find clutch shooters that could hit a shot in, in the moment. And Walter Clayton did just that. Gets the ball from Zion Poland with seven seconds to play. Pump fakes, sidestep to his left, 
drills a three-pointer with five seconds remaining in the contest to tie the game uh, in, in the final seconds, and Kentucky can't get a shot up. There's obviously been some criticism for Kentucky about why maybe they didn't foul there at the end of the game, just where the analytics are in that contest. You give yourself a better chance to win that game when you send the opponent to the free throw line and make them have to foul you afterwards. And, and you know, I, I think certainly John Calipari is sitting here Thursday morning questioning some of the decisions that he maybe made down the stretch. But if you remember right before that, the Wildcats split a pair of free throws at the line. So it wasn't necessarily a given that they were going to step up and knock down a pair of free throws and win the line, a game of the line. Maybe he felt as if his defense was absolutely what would give them the best chance. But Florida, for the third time this season, goes to overtime and gets a win, improves to 3-0 in overtime games. That was a win that you had not seen at Rupp Arena in some time. Um, first win over a top 10 ranked opponent since 2003. That honestly blew my mind, just the amount of close games that you know, you've know you seen Florida be in, the amount of top 10 teams that you're going to end up playing in the SEC to have gone more than two decades without a win over a top 10 team on the road, I think speaks to, I think it speaks more that, to anything than just, just how tough it is to win on the road in college basketball, especially in the SEC. Florida gets it done. Obviously, Walter Clayton was huge. Zion Pullen was huge. But Tyree Samuel, I was a little bit surprised that his bounce back performance hadn't been given a little bit more of a highlight. If you remember back on January 6th, he was held to a season low three points, hauled in seven rebounds, but really was not a massive factor in that game against the Wildcats, a game that Florida lost in the final 90 seconds. You get a performance like him, a historic performance from him in Rupp Arena, and you see what this team is, is capable of against a team in Kentucky that has a whole lot of length. What did you make of just how that game unfolded and Florida's ability to consistently rally even when Kentucky took a lead and they had a massive lead in my mind in the first half there led by 10 as the first end of the first half approached Florida had a critical final two minutes of the half and then comes out of the gate hot in the second half just what do you make of how that game unfolded and and the grit I think you could say that that Florida displayed yeah, I'll I'll break it down in a couple ways, but to answer your your first that that last point, Florida was not in a good position to end that second half. They had gone over five minutes with no field goals until the fifty second mark uh, of the first half when Zion Pullen, I believe he hit a, a three and then a jumper, or maybe in the opposite order, but those are the shots that he hit uh, to give Florida a little five point burst to end the half. Uh, Gators come out of the halftime break and score six unanswered points to make it an 11-0 run uh, over the, the span of the end of the first half and the start of the second, which puts them right back into the game. And I, I think it just speaks to a lot of the themes that you and I have been discussing throughout this episode of the podcast, which is that this is a Florida team that is resilient. Uh, it is not easily, you know, kind of shaken off of its off of its standing. It knows exactly what it needs to get done. Despite there being a lot of newcomers, I do think that there is uh, really solid veteran leadership on this team. Uh, guys like Zion Pullen, I mean, fantastic game last night. Uh, he became the first player since I think 2018 uh, to record 25-5 and five, or at least 25-5 and five, uh, in a road game against a top 10 opponent that the away team won. Uh, 
Uh, Tyree Samuel, who you mentioned, is a senior power forward, despite being in his first year at Florida, was Ken Palm MVP last night. Uh, 20, what was it 22 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks. He was the first player to record those statistics in a road win over a top 10 team since Tim Duncan in 1997. So uh, historic performances from the Gators. Uh, Walter Clayton's another guy, junior shooting guard, hit seven of 13 three-pointers. It's a career high from beyond the arc. I believe he attempted just one shot from inside two-point range uh, throughout the contest. Good free-throw shooting from the whole team. Florida made its free-throws down the stretch, especially in overtime. I believe they were five of six in the overtime period. And like I said earlier in the show, uh, 18 of 22 from the stripe in general. Another big number. Florida had 50 rebounds throughout that contest, which I think is impressive. Uh, you know, even with an overtime period in order to be able to get to that number, 17 on the offensive end, 17 assists last night, I think is really important. When you make 32 buckets and 17 of them are assisted, I think it just speaks to the quality of play that Florida's getting. Uh, it has several guys on its roster who are able to distribute the ball very efficiently. Zion Pullen obviously is number one in that category, both for Florida and in the SEC. But I look at guys like Will Richard, who had a very sneaky three assists last night with six rebounds and nine points. Uh, you know, I look at a guy like Micah Handlockton or Tyree Samuel, who were able to come up with an assist, which probably doesn't do their passing ability justice just in that one figure alone, because those are guys who have been facilitators out of the post for Florida. The Gators do have an offensive identity, I think. That's how you get to the number 13 spot in adjusted offensive efficiency nationally. You don't do that, you know, playing without a true identity and some cohesion that allows this team to operate pretty efficiently at most times. I mean, the Gators last night hit 43% of their shots, 12 makes uh, from beyond the three-point line. This was a really good performance. And, and were there areas where you could nitpick? You know, Florida didn't shoot a great percentage from two last night. Uh, there were some turnovers, especially early on in the game that were really costly. You know, Kentucky was able to capitalize on those. That was what allowed the Wildcats to build out a pretty robust first half lead all the way out to 10 points. Uh, but again, you know, resiliency, free throw shooting, and the ability to just get the ball to these playmakers. You mentioned a second ago, in, and our subscribers over at Swamp 247 are aware of this, Florida's basketball staff this offseason had two primary goals be more effective on the glass. It was an area that they felt they got bullied last year. They didn't have the front court, you know, size and aggressiveness and ability to be able to compete with the physicality that exists within the SEC. And I think that we have seen them resolve that pretty emphatically with guys like Samuel, who had 13 boards, Pullen, the six foot four point guard, had seven rebounds last night. Uh, Hanlogton had six. He's coming off a game in which he had 17 on the glass in an SEC game. So you can check that box. And the other stat was usage. And Todd Golden defined that as guys who are able to go and get a shot off and make a basket when you need it most, when things break down, and it's clutch time, essentially. And last night, arguably, was the most you know uh, effusive demonstration of exactly that. Florida was able to get the ball to Walter Clayton with three seconds left in regulation. He hits a three to send the game to overtime. It was Clayton again in the overtime period, who gave Florida its final lead of the game. They were trailing 87-86 with about a minute, 45 seconds left. He hits a three-pointer, and the Gators go up by two points. They never look back, and they ultimately win the game. Uh, that is a deliverance upon what Todd Golden was looking for this offseason. 
they do have the guard play and even the, the front court play uh, to really check a lot of the boxes that they weren't able to last year. And, and even with some of the inefficiencies that existed in the contest between Florida and Kentucky, I think that that, to me, is the single best game of, of Florida's Todd Golden era. I think that it was just a complete uh, you know, performance. Uh, again, even with some shortcomings, and Florida's had complete performances this season. I, I, I would look at the Arkansas game. Was a really complete game for the Gators. They they won that from minute zero through minute forty. It was efficient. They shot the ball well. And even still, I would point at this game, uh, you know, between Florida and Kentucky and Lexington as Florida's best. Uh, and I'll leave you with one more stat before I give it back to you here, Graham. Uh, last night was the first time uh, I believe in in seven years that Florida had a trio of players in the same game eclipse the twenty point mark. Uh, and so again, you know, between individual performances. And, and just a whole team performance. I was really impressed with what Florida put on display uh, in Lexington. And I do think that it's kind of a trajectory changer. I'm excited to see what comes next. They have a road game at Texas A&M coming up. And it's a great opportunity to maybe steal another road win, another quad one win uh, for a team that is looking to be in a pretty good spot with 10 games remaining in the regular season to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that Florida has displayed that even though they're not a perfect team, they have shown an inclination to improve as the game has progressed. You mentioned turnovers. How many turnovers were there in the opening minutes? I think that Florida turned the ball over four times in the first six minutes of the game and then just turned it over five more times over the next nearly 40 minutes of the game. I thought that that was absolutely a promising thing. There's always going to be a little bit of a feeling out in the beginning of these games, seeing what the opponent is doing, how you can adjust. We saw that against Mississippi State as well, which was Honestly, one of the uglier starts to a game that I can remember here. But Florida has shown an, an ability to adjust time and time again. And I think that maybe even more than the results speaks to the coaching prowess of Todd Golden and his staff. If you're still out on him, I'm not saying you should be 100% in. But from my opinion, I do think that there's a lot of evidence that, you know, he knows what he's doing from an in-game coaching perspective. Even if Florida has given up 17 point leads recently, give the credit to the opponent. I don't think it's an indictment of the head coach. Obviously that's easier to say right now, coming off a win over the Kentucky Wildcats in Lexington. Like you just said, Jacob, we will know a lot more about the trajectory of this team in the coming weeks. They do have some winnable games playing LSU Vanderbilt on the horizon as well. But next up for Florida, going to College Station to take on Texas A&M before returning to Gainesville to take on an Auburn team that is clearly one of the best in the country. That's going to be a sold-out game for the Gators for the fourth straight weekend. So it's absolutely going to be a well-attended affair, a loud one as well, where Florida is hoping that the crowd is on their side and they can end up getting a win over the Tigers. We'll be there to cover the game and we'll be back on the podcast to talk about it in more but that's going to do it for this episode of the swamp 247 podcast i'm graham hall joined by jacob rudner we'll see you next time